0: New Piney Grove Grove. Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. The MOB that Allison Red refers to what we have here is the mob squad out of the mouths of babes. As I thought about this last sermon that I will probably be doing maybe until New Year's Eve anyway what would I say to the youth or to the church family and this is the thought that came to my mind It was affirmed with me last Sunday evening as we and Ann went to a special event. But I wanted to first start by reminding you of what Psalm 51 says, what David wrote. He penned these words, I was shaped in iniquity. The word iniquity implies a rebellious spirit. And what David was saying was that he was born with a sin nature. And this inherited sin nature is in every child from birth. And while this sin nature cannot be eliminated, it can be corralled, can be contained, and it can be controlled. But there's a two-step process to corralling, to containing, and controlling. The first one is an Old Testament principle written by Solomon, who is known as the wisest man who ever lived. The first one has to do with parental training as described by Solomon in Proverbs 22, six, most of you are maybe familiar with it. The Net Bible, the New English Translation, penned it this way. Train a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. So, the first one pertains to parental Training. The second one is to bring the children to Jesus as demonstrated in the gospel. Mark pins it this way and recorded in chapter 10, 14. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, here's the words of Jesus, let the little children come to me and do not try to stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as them. My point here is that children learn best from observation. And i say that again. Children learn best from observation. And this is especially true when it comes to worship. Okay, all right, let me just kind of back up and make it make sense to you. If you sit there like a stump on the log when the worship leader is leading us in praise, the children are going to watch us and they have a, a natural inclination to sit there and do nothing. If you say amen at a truth, they will say amen. I already heard one say it this morning. Coming back to that. (laughs) The children in our text may not have known the implication of what they were doing or saying. Yet they praised Jesus because they saw and heard the adults praising Jesus. Let let me set the stage for you if we look at some uh, event setting here. The scene of our text it's what is called the triumphant infant. Entry, rather. Jesus coming into Jerusalem on what we know as Palm Sundays. Jesus' fame and reputation was at an all-time high, and by now thousands of people are following him. And the gospel writer, Matthew, described these events in Matthew chapter 21, verse 9 through 11. The crowd that went ahead of him and those following him kept shouting. And we stop right there for a minute. Jesus going into Jerusalem, he got these people behind him because they've been following him from his last city because of what he was doing. But then he comes to another crowd. as he entered Jerusalem. And they were shouting, Hosanna, son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! In the high, and this, has to, this is what really got me excited when Kalea was singing the song. Nothing compares to his name. As he heard Jerusalem, the whole city was thrown into an uproar, saying, who is this? And the crowd were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The phrase Hosanna originally meant save us now. It was a hope of a promise of those who believed that the Messiah would deliver them from Roman oppression. But in Jesus' days, Hosanna had become an acclamation of worship and praise. So as Jesus comes into the city, the crowd followed him into the temple. And this is important. Matthew penned Jesus what happened next in, in verses 12 and 13. Then Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all those who were selling and buying in the temple courts and turned over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are turned into a den of robbers. When Jesus entered into the church, or in this case, the temple. He was enraged by what was going on and what he called his father's house. His anger was directed toward those who had changed the purpose of the temple from a place of prayer into a place of corrupt commercialism. Pin that. Now next month, we are going to be, as a nation, as really as a world, Celebrating the most celebrated holiday of the year. Right. Now, of course, we call it Christmas, the incarnation is what we're celebrating, where 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 the Son of God takes on human flesh. And as I kind of looked at everything that was going on this week, when we're supposed to be celebrating Thanksgiving, I saw more stuff about Black Friday. Then I saw Thursday Amen. Holy Day. Amen. And as I look around right now, I, I see a lot of empty seats and I, I'm willing to bet that there are some people who decide to sleep in today. Because worship was no longer important to them. But them same people probably got at 4 o'clock in the morning to save $100 on the TV set. And I wonder where we're putting our priority. So when we talk of corrupt commercialism, you've got choices to make as we approach December. Because I think, Brother Brandon you're going to be having a church on Christmas Eve. And I think you're going to be missing. I think. Don't be disappointed if they don't show up. You just take Kate, Maurice, and Braden, and you just go on. You got your choir. You got your prayer partner. Just go on. I'll probably be here. (laughs) Virtue was making a living from the temple with religious deceptive practices. they, They insisted that that money that they were making, Mr. Darren, that you talked about on them jobs, has circulated in society and had become corrupted. So you couldn't use your money. You had to come in and purchase temple money, and you had to pay an extra price for the temple money to buy the doves, the bulls, the goats, or wherever you were going to sacrifice. And these inflated prices put a lot of poor people in a position where they really couldn't worship according to what was prescribed as giving to the Lord. Now, Matthews tell us that after Jesus had run out these merchants, two major events took place. Two major events. And I want you to follow me as we look at verse 14 to see the first one. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple court and he healed them. You see, individuals who were blind and lame were considered cursed by God. If you were cursed by God, you could you were religiously or ritually unclean and you could not come to the temple and worship. So when Jesus healed those who came to him who were blind and lame, it changed things. Now, they were able to go to the temple and worship. And since the money changes had already been ran out, money was no option. Man, this caused a high level of excitement. People were just crumped, where they were going crazy. And this high level of excitement led to the second major event, which is the focus of our message. But when the chief priest and the expert of the law saw the wonderful things that he did, that is healing, and heard the children crying out in the temple code, Hosanna to the son of David. They became indignant. Religious leader, already upset that the blind and the lame was now worshiping God, heard these young children repeating what they had heard the adults say, the grown ups say, in verse 9. But there was a difference. Yes, the adults said, Hosanna to the son of David, but when the children said it, there was a difference. You see, the youthful zeal and exuberant caused their voices to ring out with a loud, piercing sound. This caused the chief priests and religious scholars a whole bunch of anxiety. (laughs) Matthew uses the word here: indignant. The word indignant means to stir up in anger. But the word has a sense of something I think you can relate to, a boiling over. You know when you put some water on the stove, it's okay. But if you put some fire to it, eventually you're going to see it boil over. In other words, to make it, in our language, they were hot. As their action demonstrated. So, in their indignation, in their boiling over, in their hot temper, they turned to Jesus and verse 16 picked up and said to him, and let me read the way I think. They said, Do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you not read out of the mouths of children and nursing infants that you have prepared praise for yourself? Now, religious leaders' question to Jesus, do you hear what they are saying, was a demand to make them stop. They were calling upon Jesus to rebuke the children for echoing what the grown-up was already saying. So I present a question to you. What was the big deal? The adults were saying it. They didn't say nothing when the adults said it. So now why are they getting all irate because of the children? Two reasons. One, many believe that this was a time of bar mitzvah or the sun of the morning where a lot of young men at the age of 12 getting ready to become men of the law was in Jerusalem. They were taking the next religious step. So the religious leaders would have been concerned that this type of influence on these young minds was not in the best interest of the nation. But perhaps there's a greater reason. They wanted Jesus to silence these young people, because the children were praising Yahweh. So Jesus was accepting worship reserved for God alone. And I want, want, want you to get this now. So the religious leaders considered the worship of Jesus to be blasphemous and inappropriate. But let's examine Jesus' response to their assessment. The Net Bible uses this word prepared Praise The King James uses perfected. And young people, I want to teach you a Greek word because I'm going to ask you for it in a little bit. The word in the Greek is katartizo. Can you all say that with me? Katartizo. young folk. Say it again. Cathar Okay, all right. I got reason for saying that. It simply means fitting. In other words, Jesus was declaring that the action of the children was indeed appropriate. It was an appropriate response because He was God. Jesus quote from Psalm eight, where the children and the infants was. Prophesied that they were going to proclaim when the Messiah came. And by receiving their praise, Jesus was declaring he was worthy of the praise of the Messiah. And the children's response was appropriate. It was capital wisdom. These children's affirmation of Jesus was a good contrast compared to the religious grown up. The religious grown up. In rejecting Jesus didn't have the insight that the children had. See, the age range, these children was probably from 2 to 12. And they were rizzo. they were doing what was appropriate. Now, if we survey God, who is all knowing, all powerful, his mercy and do forever and you are a recipient of that mercy and that grace, then anything you do, however you make noise, is appropriate. Right. So what Susan Karen Brooks did a moment ago, what Ann Wilcoxon did a minute ago, it was appropriate. The question is, are you doing what's appropriate? Because I have been to football games. Many years ago, I've been to parties when a certain racket came on. And everybody get up. And everybody, even the one that couldn't dance, got them a step up. But we come into the house of the Lord and we sit down with our hands folded and we stop our nose at those that get up even the little kids that dance today. And we say that's not appropriate. We invite rappers to come to the church we don't listen to the words they say. We just look at all the other stuff. And we say, that's not appropriate. So next time, young people, y'all do something in the name of the Lord. And somebody criticized, just tell them, catarism. They ain't going to know what you're talking about. But you going to know. Or make it short. Say, it's cat time. It's just cat time. Now, what can we learn from this? First of all, what can we adults learn from this? We can learn that we need to train our children to worship. And we need to train them by example. Last Sunday, my wife and I was invited to go to a, uh, I guess i just call it a dance-off, a praise-off, where they had praise dancing. And uh, me and Ann Kalea was there. Patrick was behind us. And I noticed something. This little girl, she's about, I guess she's about Jalen age, you know. She had a little white dance on. And I saw her going. (laughs) She was just moving her little shoulders. I could tell she had been in church. And it may not have been the Holy Spirit that was moving her. But she saw somebody. And what she saw was check time. It was appropriate. So we can learn adults that they're watching us here and there. They'll know what we do in the home and what we do in the church They can tell a hypocrite when they see one. We can also learn as adults that Jesus desires us as adults not only not to hinder the children from coming to him, but for us to bring them to him. If they live in your house, Under your roof, and if you come to church, you don't need to give them a choice, it's called force worship. (laughs) Yep, there they something hear them say, "Say Amen. That's it for the adults. Now, for you young folks, what can you learn? Number one, open your mouth. I was watching, I purposely watched because I knew what I was going to say today. I was watching Kay today and the song she was singing and she put the mic out there the only voices that I heard were grown folks. You know, it's amazing to me that Youth Sunday is the quietest Sunday we got. Open your mouth. I I cannot understand why we got four people in the youth choir. if it was a big event somewhere, y'all be there. Wearing your jerseys and your outfit. But you can't come to church. And when you come, it's like we can't say nothing. (laughs) We got to be quiet. Open your mouth have to beg people to come do the scriptures. And and then you get to school and we get a note from the teacher. (laughs) They talk too much. (laughs) Second thing. Mimic godly those, and you see people do things, mimic them. We had a uh, time I don't know who was doing it at the time. Youth, it was several years ago. I think even before we moved over in this building. Where the youth of this church decided to put on a play, and they imitated everybody in the church. <laughs> Somebody out there and was imitating me. They went. They imitated Anne with a little dance. <laughs> imitated Uncle Bill. They have been watching. But to bring that to for the forefront and do it, don't want to do it. Lastly. Young people, I know a lot of adults criticize about playing church. <laughs> I'm gonna invite you, play church. Play church until it get real to you. Keep on playing. Who was that? Was that Dorothy Norwood or was that Shirley Caesar? Because if you keep playing church, one of us gonna say you ain't playing now. You ain't playing now. Now why did I say that? Y'all play house. Y'all play house. Y'all even play husband and wife. Because you're doing the same thing that husband and wife do, and you ain't married, and some of y'all ain't old enough to be married. You play that. So why can't you play church? Say amen, somebody. Why should you open your mouth? Say hallelujah, hallelujah. young folks. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. On the ten, say hallelujah. We ain't got nothing to do, but they over there. <laughs> Why should you mimic godly adults? Because it's cap time when we come into the presence of the Lord, giving him glory, worshiping him, is rizzo It's appropriate. Come on, Brandon. I'm through. No, I ain't through. Come on, Brandon. Come on. When I come back, I expect to see some young people to open their mouths. Now I'm through. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.